Our scripture for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Let us listen to God's word. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's a depressing question, really. Jesus asking when he comes back, will he find faithful people on earth? Depressing because the implied answer seems to be, maybe not. This morning is Confirmation Sunday. And in our tradition, Confirmation is a time when our young people make a decision. They've been raised in the faith, brought up in the church. They've been learning about God. They were baptized as babies. And at that time, we asked their parents, and now we ask them, what does God matter to you? What does the church mean to you? What role, what place, what size do you want faith to have? In your life. And we're echoing Jesus's question. When he comes back, when Jesus comes back, will he find faith on the earth? Did you know that if you took 10 random 18 to 29 year olds in the United States today, 10 of them who grew up in the church, who heard the promises and learned the stories, if you take them and put 10 random kids in a room, on average, one of them would believe that Jesus was resurrected. One of them would believe that we need to know him. One of them would believe that scripture has authority. One of them would believe we need to build his kingdom on earth. Only one in ten, 18 to 29-year-olds in the United States, attend church at least monthly with the goal of belonging. Only one in ten claim that Jesus died and was raised, and they want to grow with him in a personal relationship. In comparison, if you take the average group of 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in the church, two of them no longer consider themselves a Christian. Three of them are still Christians, but they don't think that what happens at church is valuable enough to belong at one. This morning is an important morning. 
This morning, we have four young men, Trent Wilson, Josh Laney, Will Harrington, and Will Radon. And those four men meet the criteria of the one in ten. They believe that Jesus died and was resurrected. They want to know him better. They affirm scripture. Over the last six weeks, they have worked to build his kingdom on earth. They have been here, a part of this church, worshiping and serving. This morning, we have four young men who meet those criteria. But if you fast forward a decade and take ten of their friends, hopefully they remain the one in ten, I believe they will, that will proclaim that Christ is Lord. But there will be two others who don't believe at all, three who kind of believe but don't think the church is worth it, and four who are on the fence. So why do people say no? What happens? What happens in between the excitement and pride that comes on a day like today where these young men are saying yes to this incredible thing? They are declaring they want to follow Jesus Christ. This day gives me hope for the future of the church where I look at these four with such pride, I can't even stand it. But what happens between a day like today and that room of 18 to 29-year-olds. I've been pondering this a lot, thinking about it, praying on it. I took this question with me to the grocery store and to work. I took it with me to get my new car registration and to fill my car with gas. And I even took it to the soccer field to watch my daughter's first retcom soccer game. And of all the places God decided to show up, it was there, there with the eight and unders, yellow jerseys and black shorts, that's our team, lined up against the other team in blue and black, and the ref blows his whistle, and in an instant, it's chaos. They practiced. Didn't matter. The ball flies, and the kids race straight for it. All of them, minus the goalies, who are diligently frozen on the goal line. But all the others race for the ball in this clump with legs flying, kicking, hacking, running, chasing, tripping. There's cleats in the mix of these pods of kids. It's this tornado of cleats and grass and nerves. Some of the kids are so nervous, they're looking away as they kick the ball, (laughs) missing the ball and just hitting the shin of the person in front of them. There's a handful who are clearly better than the rest, and they understand what's happening. They're sprinting and dribbling and stealing and scoring, and on the field, they look like Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo in comparison. But the rest, y'all. At one point, our team basically mutinies and designates themselves the cheering section. So focused on jumping and yelling, they forget to play defense. And in that moment, there's a goal. As the game stretches on, I bring over the Clementines and Capri Suns that have been a staple of youth soccer events since time immemorial. But despite the sugar rush, exhaustion sets in in the second half, boredom, one player sits down on the field. (laughs) Just sits down phones it in, the coach has to coax him off the field to put in a sub, and as the second half is going on, the coach begins to give more and more direction, parents assisting from the other side, giving more and more direction, stop picking the grass, they're coming, 
They get the ball. Why aren't you taking the ball from them? Somebody please stop her. Constant feedback, constant direction from the sideline is barely keeping this event something that could be described as an organized game of soccer. Now, don't get me wrong, I loved it. Every second of it. I am soccer mom material. Sign me up all day. I will yell on the sidelines and I will bring clementines and I will have my cooler full of Capri Suns. And so I yelled when my daughter stopped to go and then went when she very politely stepped out of the way so the player on the other team could score a goal. <laughs> and then the game ended. The ref blew the whistle and the parents stopped yelling and all the kids stopped playing and we all ran off the field to pack up and go home. And it was there, while the parents are folding up their chairs and the children are yelling and spinning around, that I found myself wondering how many of them will still be playing soccer when the parents stop yelling. And I realized that's what happened. You see, people don't stop playing soccer because they are morally opposed. They don't object to soccer as a sport. Most of them don't even stop because they dislike it. It's just not that big of a deal or they find something else that they like a little bit more. So often kids that are going to church are participating. They are participating and doing it because someone on the sidelines is yelling instructions. Go to youth group. Make good choices. Forgive your friends. Pray about it. And then at some point, somewhere between 18 and 29, the parents stop yelling from the sidelines. And so you take that room of 18 to 29-year-olds, and the problem isn't Jesus. Most of them didn't stop believing. The problem is that church is in the same category as rec-com soccer. It's good for you. It helps you be a better person. It will teach you some important life skills. It's a good thing. It's a fine thing. But church is like soccer. We go hoping to learn these important lessons. Love your neighbor. Be faithful. Kick the ball in the goal. Pray. And once you learn the lessons, like soccer, you graduate and you're done. One in ten might continue to play soccer beyond the retcom, maybe. The rest stop when something more interesting comes along. And while I love soccer, I don't really care if kids play it for a time or play it through college, but I do care if teens go to church. Sometime around high school in most churches, kids start coming less, and it has nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing to do with not believing. It's not that they don't like their church or the people. It's just that they outgrew retcom soccer. They graduate youth group and have no place to go. So this morning on Confirmation Sunday, I'm not really preaching at these four young men sitting up here, Trent and Josh and Will and Will. I am proud of them proud of the ways they have learned who Christ is, proud of the decision they are making, proud of the men they are becoming. They're saying yes. They're picking up the banner. They're choosing to follow Christ. There is no bigger decision in life. But this morning, I'm asking us, their church, 
What is the vision of church we will give them to live into? You see, we're asking them, does God matter to you? Does the church matter to you? Do you want this faith, Christ, our church, to have a role, a place, an impact on your life? And all four of them are saying, yes. They're saying, yes. They want it. They trust us. They're going to see what following Jesus looks like, feels like, what being part of a church means. They're doing that here. So we have to decide what is it that they will find. Take 10 18 to 29-year-olds in this country, 10 of them who were raised in the church, and you'll find two no longer believe in Jesus Christ, three of them do not believe in the church, and four of them are on the fence. But if you talk to the one, the one in ten, if you interview that person, you won't find that they're better than everyone else. You won't find any magic. You'll find they say things like, someone taught me to read the Bible in a way that makes me feel closer to God. They'll say, when I was growing up, I had a close personal friend who was an adult from my church. They'll say, there's someone in my life who encourages me to grow spiritually. They'll say, church is a place where I feel like I belong. They'll say, my church helps me understand how to live faith in my daily life. Nothing magic, nothing crazy. It's just a church family yelling from the sidelines. It's a church family that's willing to join them on the field. You see, it boils down to this. Did their church show them how faith actually matters in their lives? Did their church help them see that this is much bigger than rec-com soccer? That it's worth sticking around for? Ask the one in ten why he still goes to church. He'll probably say it's because he found in church something worth committing to. Something worth committing to. These four men are making a choice today, and we, their church, must do the same. We need to commit to the persistence of the widow in our story who refuses to give up, refuses to give up, and we can't either because it is up to us what church these four men will find. They're committing, and we need to as well. To commit again to making this a place where they will find a way of being so compelling, so rich, that it can pick us up when we're at our worst, that can pick up the shattered pieces of a life and make something again. We need to commit that these four will find us praying in the dark, because seeing us pray is how they'll come to believe that God makes a way when there is no way. This morning, we commit again to letting them see us carry our burdens and our hopes, our dreams and our futures and entrusting it all to God because that's how they'll learn that God is worthy of our trust. Hear, 
here in these pews next door in the fellowship hall, when they see us around town in this church, they will find older people who care about them, who see them, who ask about them, who encourage them and pray for them by name because we love them and they are ours. Trent, Josh, Will, and Will. This Sunday you are making an incredible choice. I honestly believe it is nothing less than the most important decision you will ever make. Deciding to live your life for building God's kingdom on earth. But you're not making that choice alone. Take a look at the church behind you. Actually look at them. All these people behind you, parents, friends, other youth, adults you probably don't even know. They stand here today committing to you too. Committing to be a church worth your time, worth your gifts, and worth your efforts. They are a church that is committing to know you and to care about you. When Jesus comes back, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? Here at Scottsboro Cumberland Presbyterian Church, he will. He will. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful and proud of these four young men, four men who have been raised in this church, who know what it means to love you as their personal Lord and Savior. We thank you for their parents and for their family and for this church who continues to put their time and effort and energy into loving them, into making a space for them. And Lord God, in today's service, we simply ask that you renew in us our commitment to them as they commit to us. In your holy name we pray. Amen.